Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is our friend Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, you can find Ryan on Twitter. He's Arnold at mo- underscore at movies on Twitter. And he also has a webpage, uh, Ryan Ar- RyanArnoldReviews.weebly.com. Ryan is joining us for our 13 days of Halloween, where for the 13 days leading up to Halloween, we talk about a movie in the horror-thriller genre. And today's movie is Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, this came out in 1935. It's a sequel to uh, Frankenstein. It's one of the universal horror movies, and uh, it's directed by James Whale. Brings back a lot of the cast from the original movie. You've got uh, Boris Karloff as the monster, Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein. Um, so yeah, this kind of picks up right after the original movie where that ends. Um, they think Frankenstein has been killed. Um, and also you think maybe, uh, well, I should say, you think Frankenstein's monster has been killed. And then you think Dr. Frankenstein has been killed as well. But quickly we learn both are not true. And so... Um, Henry Frankenstein goes back to his castle home uh, with his wife. And then the monster goes sort of on a, a sojourn through the, the countryside and meets a lot of different people. Um, if you've seen Young Frankenstein, you'll, you'll catch a lot of what it borrowed uh, from this film. And yeah, and then there's a, also a, a nefarious um, Dr. Pretorius um, who is really cajoling um, Henry Frankenstein into creating a new creature, not unlike Frankenstein's monster, but this time it'll be a woman. You might also, you might almost say it'll be a bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> so yeah, Ryan, um, what did you think of this? Um, I love this movie. It's, it's a classic. Um, I love how it actually is superior. In my opinion, it's superior to the original um, Frankenstein film. Uh, which is also directed by James Whale. Um, it is just wonderfully crafted and it's, it's well acted. Um, I love all of the um, just kind of uh, kind of darker. It's, it's more of a darker tone this movie is. And it, it starts off a little light, but then it kind of progressively gets darker as you go on, um, especially the last ending scene. Um, it's just very well made. Um yeah, it's just uh, it's become kind of a staple of mine to watch each year around Halloween time. Um, it's uh, has a lot of different types of themes to it with um, Henry Frankenstein of playing God and um, the monster who's played by um, Boris Karloff um, kind of trying to find his purpose and and kind of, you know, he's, he's more of like a gentle giant, but everybody, you know, obviously sees him as a monster and he's trying to figure out who, who he is and just trying to, he kind of goes around like on a little like odyssey journey as well. Um, and then it also has, um, Dr. Uh, Pretorius, who is kind of the, um, evil kind of architect behind the scenes, kind of trying to control things a little bit with uh, Henry Frankenstein and getting him a bride and, and everything. And then it, it goes sour after that. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun film to watch. It's a good movie. If you um, want to watch something a little spooky, but maybe not too scary, because it's not really like a scary movie, but it is definitely, um, you know, it's still a monster feature science fiction. 
Um, you know, I, I consider it still a horror movie, but it's not like jump scares or anything. It's but it has that atmosphere to it. Um, and yeah, it's just a it's a very well made movie. Yeah, so I, I had never seen this movie, um, so watched it for the first time in preparation for this podcast, and I found it to be a really beautiful example of um, black and white cinema. Um, you know, I we always talk about how black and white really lends itself to like film noir. I feel like gothic horror is another genre that it really works well um, with, and here it's it, it's really great. Um, some of the sets are are really uh, beautiful, and just the the use of black and white and the shadows, and um, it really is really does evoke a, a real um, kind of gothic horror vibe. And so I, I appreciated that a lot, and I think the sets are really impressive for you know this film was made in 1935. It's, uh, it really holds up as far as the, the sets go. And some of the special effects are, are, are crazy good too. Uh, we've talked about, you know, this Dr. Pretorius, he's, he's created like these little humans that he keeps under glass. I thought that scene was really, really cool. I don't know how they did it. And for 1935, especially, it's really impressive the way he's He's able. I mean, they're able to exit, leave the glass, and he picks them up and puts them back in. It, it's all pretty seamless. It looks really good. Um, so I, I thought, you know, I was really impressed by the special effects. Yeah, this is my first time watching this movie too, and um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's a breezy, like seventy-five minutes. Um, it's very well done. It, it it feels. It's just hard to just hard to describe, but it feels very modern in a way, um, even though it's you know an almost what ninety-year-old film. Um, that said, the beginning had me a little worried. Um, the beginning is, is, uh, you're almost your, so if there's an Achilles heel for films from this era, it's sometimes very stilted dialogue and acting. Um, and even from some of the best. And this movie, the opening scene, uh, with basically three authors, whew. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to put my guard up on this movie because this is not. But that scene is over fairly quickly, thankfully. And then once the movie proper gets started, I mean, I was all in. Um, I think the acting's good. The set design, production design's good. The direction, the cinematography. Um, that scene you mentioned, Ashley, with the, the little creatures <laughs> that Dr. Pretorius has created. I mean, that's, you know, here's the thing about special effects from old, old movies or even TV shows that I wish more people would keep in mind, young people particularly, but they look at older TV shows and movies with special effects and they're like, Oh, that, that looks cheesy, whatever. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a strict comparison to some more modern stuff, it does, but you always have to contextualize, you know? Right. So I, you know, if you contextualize the special effects for this film, for the era in which it was made, then it's like, wow, this is really <laughs> impressive, you know. Uh, so that scene stands out. Um, I think the, re the reason um, I picked this movie this year is one. I mean, it's a it's a it's a horror classic, and we, we, I've never seen it, and I, I thought I didn't want to rectify that. And two, I know Ryan, it's one of your favorites, um, and you just recently watched it, on, and on the and you commented about it on the Letterbox staff, and you said like the last like fifteen minutes of it was epic or something like that. Um, and I got my interest peaked. So I was like, well, let's watch it. And I, I will say that, yeah, the, the, the last 10 or 15 minutes of it is just, 
I don't know, hard to describe, but it, <laughs> being, it's just, wow. Really, it really, I was mesmerized by it. And that's um, basketball, yeah. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, and it, even even though, like, there's a couple of iconic moments from this movie, um, you know, kind of when the bride is revealed. It's, it's funny, I mean, the movie's called Bride of Frankenstein, and that is sort of the overall overarching goal of the movie. Um, but she doesn't appear until like what, like two minutes uh, before the, the credits <laughs> yeah. roll. Uh, yeah. But that's fine. I think I think it, it works. Um, but I'll be honest with you. So more than the the effects or the or the production design or even the horror elements, I most liked. I feel like the and maybe this is just me seeing this, but the, the sort of societal analogies that is sort of embedded in this movie about how we treat people who are different from us. Um, and how that makes them feel and how it makes us look, you know, and uh, Boris Karloff is great in this movie and he's under a lot of makeup, but he manages to be so expressive whether he's talking. I mean, sometimes it's vocal inflections, but a lot of times it's just, um, his facial expressions, you know, um, or even, uh, the 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 tone of voice or the way he'll grunt one way or the or a different way the next time. Um, I, um, yeah, he's just, he's just great in this. And uh, the Doctor Pretorius character, I think, is a really good villain. Um, he's played by Ernest Thesiger. And before we watched this movie, I did just read a little bit about it, and it said he's the villain of the movie, and. I don't know. We were a little ways through it. And I'm like, is he really a villain though? Mm-hmm. And then I stopped and I realized, particularly by like the last however long, the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes of it. Yes, he's definitely the villain. And the thing that's so masterful about it is he's one of those people. And there's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people like this in real life who are just seemingly nice enough or harmless enough or even a little mildly charming enough that you're like, um, my spidey sense is tingling a little bit with this person, <laughs> but I mean, they seem, they seem like a good part. They seem all right. So, and then you kind of fall in with them and they're really evil. Um, and that's, that's Dr. Pretorius. So yeah, I, thank you, Ryan, for finally getting me out to watch this. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys did. Um, yeah, it, uh, James Well is just he's a, he was a very good director, especially when it came to horror. Um, he did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and then um, The Invisible Man was another one that he did. Um, it's very well known. Um, the yeah, the, the last fifteen minutes of this movie are just very well done, especially for when it came out in the thirties. It's it's pretty incredible that James Well was able to pull it off with the type of production design that he did with the editing and the, the music it just all is just synced into something that's pretty mesmerizing um it's just a really cool scene and sequence that that he's done um yeah I, I, there's a lot to love about this film um i did want to ask you guys if you picked up on it at all james whale um he was uh openly gay and um also uh, was very public about it during his time as a director um, during the 30s and 40s. And a lot of people have come since to um, say that he put a lot of that kind of intertwined into this movie a little bit. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on that a little bit, if, if you picked up any anything with uh, this film. 
Sure. Yeah. I think, well, Matt kind of alluded to the allegory here, but I, I, it definitely registered with me the fact that the monster here is seen as the other. He's an outcast, but he still wants friendship and wants love. So, yeah, you can read into that, um, the gay experience, but particularly from, you know, in the 1930s and 40s. Um, so, yeah, I definitely picked up on that and um, I thought it was very moving. And, you know, Matt, you talked about Boris Karloff's performance. I, I'm afraid I've always been kind of dismissive of him and his performance as Frankenstein as just kind of grunting and kind of one note kind of monster. Um, but you're right. He does manage um, here to convey real emotion. And I was really, really surprised and, and impressed by by his performance. I have to say, I had not picked up on that. And I usually do. Sometimes I see... Uh, gay metaphors or allegories and things that aren't there but um yeah i see that sort of thing it's funny when i was thinking about the other i was thinking about like maybe um uh, racial relations and 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 stuff but um yeah sure um yeah maybe the whole frankenstein thing i it did remind me though so there's the scene where frankenstein you know and he's walking around the countryside he happens upon uh, like I, I guess I think he's credited as a hermit, but basically an old man who lives by himself in a cabin. Um, boy, does Frankenstein mess up his idyllic existence. But <laughs> um, their scenes together are are nice. But like, um, you know, that guy. I think I think that the guy is just lonely, right? Mm-hmm. And he 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 wants a friend, and Frankenstein is happy to have a friend too. But there's a little bit, a little tinge in, in the way that the, at least the hermit interacted with him. That, like, I mean, he puts Frankenstein in his bed and <laughs> sits up there next to him and everything. And I don't know. I, I, I was starting to maybe pick up a little something there, but I, I don't. I think probably I was just reading more into that than than was there. Yeah, and I think I I read a little more into it because I knew it was um, James Whale. And if you've seen like Gods and Monsters, the movie about him, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's I knew he was gay, so I was looking for those kinds of things in the film. Um, that's probably I'm sure people in 1935 did not pick up on that as as being any in any way related to you know homosexuality or or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, certainly today, you, you pick up on it. How about you, Ryan? I what I noticed. I also going into it. I, I knew James Whale was also an openly gay filmmaker, and so I think um, that helped pick up on some things. Um, I also just have read online of other people's interpretations. My my thing that I saw most was um, it had a bit more of a over campy sense to it um, than the first Frankenstein did, um, and so um, a lot of people have pointed to. James Whale really wanted to kind of get a little bit more of a campy tone to the movie in certain aspects. Um, and so that that's a lot of um, kind of things that he kind of like kind of snuck in there throughout the film. Um, so that's kind of more what I, I picked on, uh, picked up on a little bit with, with that. Um, but I do really love how he just, you know, different types of relationships between all the characters. He, he really, I think mold on really well. And I really enjoyed the scene with, the, the hermit and um, Frank or uh, the monster um, in his house. I thought that was just a very tender scene. 
Um, and it's also very well acted and very, very well done too. Uh, Matt, I'm sorry you didn't like the the first scene in the film, but I <laughs> I kind of did like it. I thought that was an interesting way to introduce the movie. But I've mm-hmm. always kind of been inter- interested in Mary Shelley and how she came to write Frankenstein and her relationship with Lord Byron her, and her husband. So I, I, I thought it was an, just a neat little way to introduce it. Um, and, and it gave Elsa Lanchester some lines to say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that she played Mary Shelley and she was the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, who and the Bride of Frankenstein doesn't have much screen time. Although I did find her performance as the bride interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, she seemed, I don't know, there was something very kind of weird. <laughs> well, I may have my history wrong, but didn't this get written? Like, so wasn't there like a volcanic eruption and it really like kind of clattered over the skies for I think maybe something a year or two? Yeah. And so a lot of people were sort of indoors a lot and kind of like, an, uh, an even worse thing than what we've seen this past year with like the Canadian wildfires mm-hmm. coming down and, you know, making the air unsafe to breathe. I think that happened, but on a much larger scale. And so a lot of folks, I think in the Northern hemisphere were, um, particularly in Europe were, uh, kind of just kind of hold away. And I'd say, I think that's when she wrote this or. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, around, uh, Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Frankenstein, yeah. yeah. She she was holed up with Lord Byron and her husband, Percy Bysshe and they were making up stories, and this is the story she came up with, was Frankenstein. And so that was kind of where the, the story got its start anyway. Yeah. So I, I like that they kind of took that and used that as an introduction to this continuation of the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts, Ryan? Um, just that... Uh, I, I think that if, if you're if you're looking for something um, fun to watch this Halloween season, I highly recommend this one. Um, like Ashley said, it's 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 a great um, black and white um, film, um, and it was very much ahead of its time. Um, and it, it's uh, and and also could introduce you maybe into some James Whale uh, movies because he he was a good director and he he knew how to craft and make a film so if this leads you into some of his movies that'd be great <laughs> definitely um so what would you give it out of uh 10 it gets a 10 for me again um one of my favorite horror movies uh and it it is just a superb uh sequel in, in every way ashley you know i'm gonna give it a 10 as well oh snap <laughs> uh i'll give it a 9.5 uh, so our score then is a 9.8, and that is Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you.